you know for a team to win a championship, you need a lot of pieces to fall into place. Starting to feel like it's going to be one of those years for some teams here in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to championship runs. We'll talk about it. It's the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. Here we go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in. It's Friday, January 7th here on the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. I'm Don Wachillis. As always, we want to thank Soul Boxer for crafting and bottling bartender quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The bourbon old-fashioned, the brandy old-fashioned, the Manhattan all crafted to remain true to their supper club origins. You'll find Soul Boxer wherever you pick up your favorite libation. So as I said in the tease coming into today's podcast starting to look forward a little bit as far as championships go here in the state of Wisconsin and we'll get into that more as we progress through the podcast knowing that the Packers are getting ready to wrap up their regular season play this weekend the Badgers are playing some really good basketball behind Johnny Davis Marquette plays tonight The Panthers of UWM are on the floor tonight as well. They'll get a national TV audience on ESPN2 as they take on Detroit Mercy. We'll talk about the Bucs a little bit later in the podcast. And quite honestly, if you're watching a Bucs game in the next week, you're going to need a program because the number of players that are on 10-day contracts, the number of guys at the end of the bench who are going to see significant time because of the number of players on the health protocol list for the Milwaukee Bucks is extensive, and we'll get to that as we get towards the end of the podcast. For you joining us, thank you as always. Whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, we greatly appreciate it, or whether it's one of the other five platforms we currently reside on. Glad to have you on board. Go ahead, hit that like, subscribe button if you would, please as we would definitely appreciate it. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers, and let's start from the perspective of a championship run. Now, one of the things that is needed is not only talent, great coaching, a good front office, all of those elements, but there is that little element of what we'll call luck when you're making a run. Let's go back a few months when the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. Let's go back to that Eastern Conference final matchup between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. And let's go back to one Kevin Durant who hit an impressive jump shot in a game where he played in its entirety, was exhausted by the end, 
but hit this incredible jump shot with a second and a tick remaining on the clock. And I can remember falling over thinking, oh, we were that close. And then to hear in the background the announcer say, they're going to look at this, there could be a toe on the line. And thankfully for us, there was a toe on the line. It was only a two. They win in overtime. They get to the NBA championship and obviously beat the Phoenix Suns. There were some things that had to fall into place there. But most notably in my mind was the Kevin Durant toe on the line where it counts as a two instead of a three, goes to overtime, Bucks prevail. A little bit of luck involved. Now I'm watching the Green Bay Packers, and we had all the drama in the offseason, right? We Was Aaron Rodgers coming back? And then he came back, and we played week one. And was he involved? Would he be into this season with all of the off-field drama? And slowly but surely, we saw Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. And then we saw Aaron Rodgers have to go through some more drama because of the whole vaccination saga because he contracted COVID. And unfortunately, right now in our country, COVID is running rapid and people are getting the virus at astonishingly high rates since COVID introduced itself to us two years ago now, roughly two years ago now. And yet... As we see other teams now dealing with health protocol issues with players, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be one of them because he's in that window now where your immune system supposedly is able to battle the COVID virus because you've contracted it. So the potential MVP of the league is not necessarily one that has to be considered in as, as far as health protocol issues go. A little bit of luck. Aaron Rodgers has been one of those ball players who's needed, like a Michael Jordan, has needed something, as I like to say, when you poke the bear, so to speak. You need, you need to get poked once in a while and you get awoken. Because you have a chip on your shoulder, you just excel. Thank you, Hub Arkish. Hub Arkish that we talked about in the last podcast, who said he would not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he thinks Aaron Rodgers is a bad person. Aaron Rodgers in his weekly presser essentially just called him a bum because he made a reference to Aaron Rodgers as an individual off the field and as other reporters have stated, even reporters who have covered Aaron Rodgers for the entirety of his career in Green Bay, there are a lot of people that know Aaron Rodgers necessarily off the field. You know what you get at a presser, you know what you get on the field, but you don't necessarily know who he is off the field. So Aaron Rodgers took offense to that, and and quite honestly, rightfully so. I mean, if you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers on the field or you want to compare Aaron Rodgers, his statistics with what Jonathan Taylor is doing, Uh, down in Indianapolis, what Tom Brady's doing down in Tampa, all well and good. But when you do the the off-the-field stuff, especially when we're talking about MVP, uh, you might might have crossed the line. But for Packer fans, thank you, Hub Arkish, because what you did is you poked the bear. And now I've got a guy who has a potential MVP in his pocket 
for two years in a row with an attitude. And Aaron Rodgers with an attitude means you usually get really good football. So thank you again, Hub Arkish. Number three, the whole Antonio Brown saga down in Tampa. Tampa needed Antonio Brown down in this final week of the regular season and into the playoffs because Tampa has been decimated by injuries, especially at the wide receiver position. Antonio Brown would have been a weapon. And I don't, the whole idea of uh, mental health issues obviously comes into play. And that that's something that should be prioritized. And we talked about that in, in the last podcast with relation to AB. But as far as football goes for Green Bay, luck once again. Because you have drama and you have a depleted core down in Tampa who probably will be one of your arch rivals moving forward. Dallas. We talked about Dallas in the last podcast. Mike McCarthy has just absolutely gone brain fog when it comes to clock management and doing some things that are necessary from a head coach to allow your team to be of championship caliber. A little bit of luck for the Packers that Mike McCarthy right now is in a fog when it comes to these issues. And when we talked about momentum, I don't think there's a whole lot of momentum right now with regards to the Dallas Cowboys. The only team right now that has some momentum that will show up on the radar is the Los Angeles Rams. And the only thing that I have going for me as a Packer fan into the playoffs is the fact that Matthew Stafford doesn't look like Matthew Stafford. Like Matthew Stafford, I think, is injured. I, I don't have you, – you can Google it. There are other people out there who, who kind of, you know, in, in the clouds thinking about whether he is injured, isn't inter, injured, excuse me, or to what degree he's injured. But Matthew Stafford doesn't look like the same quarterback from the beginning of the year. But I also feel like if the Rams have to come into Lambeau now, if they get that far to play a playoff game in Lambeau, we've seen what Matthew Stafford does in Green Bay. And if he's as banged up as many people anticipate, being banged up in cold weather is not fun. Bit of luck. So... Looking at the Packers moving forward, and, and the debate will still be, and we'll get to that in just a second, who plays and who doesn't this week in Detroit, with quality play, with quality coaching, as I said, you need a little bit of luck. And right now, it seems as if the rabbit's foot is attached to the Green Bay Packer organization because there are a lot of things falling into place for them to make that push in the NFC and make a Super Bowl run. Now, coming up on Sunday – Playing the Detroit Lions in Detroit, the argument is still, do you start your starters or do you rest them? And I still come from the perspective of you treat this much like you would in the in what we'll call the old days, game three of the preseason, where you get your starters out there, you get them some reps, and then boom, get them off the field. So I would get Aaron Rodgers out there for a series, maybe two, a quarter, no more, but just to be out there, just to go through the pregame, just to get yourself mentally ready, the whole idea of keeping sharp. 
And that's where I would go if it was up to me. This is where I would come from. I absolutely understand for those who would say rest, completely understand that because you don't want to put many of your starters in situations where something, quote unquote, could happen. But we've seen historically what Green Bay is like coming off of a buy. And if this would be an extended buy, the fear of them not being sharp like they showed against New Orleans where none of those starters played during the preseason and came out flat against the Saints. Once you get to playoff time, the obvious scenario is you cannot be flat because you don't know if you'll be able to pull yourself out of it and a loss in the playoffs means you go home. So I I would love to see many of the starters get an opportunity, like I said, for a series, maybe a quarter, and then go ahead and put the second and third string guys in and get Jordan Love some meaningful quality time in a in a regular season game. That that can only help your backup quarterback. So we'll have to wait and see what takes place on Sunday. We'll talk about that obviously then on Monday when we put this podcast again together. We'll recap the Lions game. We'll look forward to what the playoffs will be and who's playing who and when and all of that fun stuff and get ready again on Monday. Let's throw this in now since we're talking football. The college football championship is Monday night, so we'll do a lot of previewing that game as well during our, uh, shall we say, our little football talk here on the podcast. On the other side of this short break, we got to talk some college basketball because right now the Wisconsin Badgers are the toast of not only the state of Wisconsin and the 414, but are getting a lot of publicity nationally for the way they're playing right now. So we'll talk about the Badgers. We'll talk some Marquette and some UWM Panther basketball as well. Coming up in just a moment. Let's talk about some college basketball with regards to the state of Wisconsin because this week, as I noted the other day, kicked off really well. It was kind of special in that speciality. Is that it? Is there such a word? I just think I made one up. It is continuing throughout this week as the Badgers now take care of business at home against the Iowa Hawkeyes. An impressive win, uh, 87-78 victory against Iowa. Wisconsin shoots 50% from the field. They only shoot, however, 29% from beyond the arc. And the area right now that is surprising to me, and this is not only with the Badgers, it happens with uh, Marquette at times, with UWM, and you see it at the Division Three level as well, is the free throw percentage as a team is woefully low. Iowa last night, Shot 57% from the charity stripe. Wisconsin shoots 69%. Obviously a little bit better, but not something necessarily you want to hang your hat on. 
So the free throw percentages throughout college basketball by a number of teams has been marketedly lower than normal this year. Why? I have no idea, but I think it's something to keep an eye on because even last night, uh, Iowa remarked in their postgame presser about the fact that they shot so poorly from the free throw line that it ended up being a factor, one of a few, in their loss against Wisconsin. And college basketball world, hello, Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis with 26 points again last night and 35 minutes of play has been absolutely phenomenal here in the last week. And suddenly, Jonathan Davis is getting a bunch of talk for College Basketball Player of the Year. Now, let's let's put some things in perspective. It's early January. There's a lot of basketball to be played. But when somebody like Jonathan Davis's name is put out there, what does that do? Obviously draws a lot of attention to the University of Wisconsin. And when you hear Jonathan Davis's dad, Mark Davis, talk about one of the reasons they chose Wisconsin was to get him ready for the NBA, a statement that I think many people kind of swept under the rug, so to speak, when it was made over a year ago, are now suddenly finding it there amongst the dust bunnies and going, whoa. So Wisconsin can be a place where guys get ready and prepared adequately for an NBA career. And I think it was The Athletic the other day in a kind of a pre-draft scenario like everyone loves to do has Jonathan Davis sitting right now as potentially the fifth pick overall. So a lot of pub being thrown at Greg Gard and his Wisconsin Badgers. Brad Davison last night finished with 18. It's good to see him playing much better here as the Big Ten is underway. Tyler Wall continues to impress. He had 16. Steven Kral had 12. We're starting to see the big men at Wisconsin kind of reappear. There was a little bit of hiatus over the last couple of years where we had, you know, Micah Potter was good, but it wasn't to the caliber that we had seen when the Badgers made their Final Four and their national championship run a couple of moons ago. But Tyler Wall, Stephen Crawl, amongst others now, are starting to appear to play like we've seen in the past as far as big guys down low that aren't necessarily going to bowl you over, but there's a finesse to their game. And that finesse is something to watch for because it's hard to stop. When you get a guy with their size in the paint and their footwork is what it is, you can be a shack. You can be an overpowering presence in the paint, but many a times the finesse, the footwork, will outdo you when you're going in for a shot. Now, granted, not every time do you want finesse in the paint because you're going to have to do some dirty work down there and going after rebounds and putbacks and so forth. But when you see somebody like Stephen Crawl doing the work that he's doing as a freshman, the upside to him is unbelievable. Tyler Wall, 6'9". As a sophomore, the upside is unbelievable. So the Badgers are starting to make their presence known, which is terrific considering the kind of season that they had last year. And let's hope, though, being early January, there's going to be 
a little downturn here, but you hope the downturn that every team goes through will be in the middle of January, and then we can see them upswing again as we make our way into February and towards March Madness. They've got quality wins now on their resume, so whether or not they win the Big Ten, they are making a huge argument for being a part of the NCAA tournament come March. Next up for the Badgers, they'll take on Maryland. They'll be on the road. That game is set for Sunday night. It'll be on the Big Ten Network. Looks like opening dip right around 6.30. Tonight on the road is the Marquette Golden Eagles after an enormous win at home against Providence. They'll take on Georgetown. Remember last time out, it was an 88-6 win over Providence, so they'll be on the road tonight taking on Georgetown. That tip is slated for 5.30, so an early start for the Marquette Golden Eagles at Georgetown looking to pick up their second win in the conference. They're 1-3 in the Big East, 9-6 right now overall. And also playing this evening is the UWM Panthers. The Panthers will be in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan, more specifically, as they'll take on Detroit Mercy. The good thing about this game is, one, it tips at six, but number two, it'll be on ESPN2, so a little bit of national publicity for the UWM Panthers again as they take on Detroit Mercy. The other thing to keep an eye on moving forward with UWM is one, the team, as I noted in our last podcast, just playing better together. Like they've gotten court time. You know they've had practice time, but there have been a number of injuries. Um, Obviously the illness bug has set in for a little bit. But it seems as if now the team is together, much like we talked about Wisconsin the other night, having everybody back finally. We're seeing that now with UWM. They're playing much better. They're on a two-game winning streak. They beat Northern Kentucky on the road, 61-55. Northern Kentucky is a good mid-major Division I basketball program. That was an impressive win. And then they go on the road and beat Green Bay 63-49. And so now they continue their road journeys again tonight against Detroit Mercy. And then Sunday they'll take on Oakland at 3 o'clock as they wrap up that Michigan swing within the Horizon League. We're keeping an eye, however, on PBJ. Patrick Baldwin Jr., who has seemingly still been plagued with That ankle injury, which he tweaked the other night, again against Green Bay, and we haven't seen necessarily Patrick Baldwin Jr. get significant minutes yet because of the ankle injury. And not having significant minutes is obviously kind of haltering his advancement in the college game. I don't know if I mentioned this uh, in the last podcast or not, but I think it is worth mentioning. The game, Patrick Baldwin Jr.'s game and Jonathan Davis's game are very, very similar. When you watch Jonathan Davis last year as a freshman and you see the limited number of minutes, at least right now, that Patrick Baldwin Jr. has had on the floor, the similarities to me are greater than the differences. And so seeing what has happened to Jonathan Davis in his second year at Wisconsin and the growth and the jump that he has made only makes me think that 
another year at UWM for Patrick Baldwin Jr. could only help elevate his stock. I go back to The Athletic again. The Athletic, in that article, had Patrick Baldwin Jr. potentially a late first-round selection or then a second-round selection. If that ankle can get healed and Patrick Baldwin Jr. have the kind of breakout that we thought he would have already as a freshman but do it as a sophomore, being more comfortable with his surroundings as he's made that next step to the college level, I think not only does it help UWM and selfishly me as a Panther basketball fan, but I think it would also help his draft stock moving forward. So we have to keep an eye on that because the idea of having a healthy Patrick Baldwin Jr. moving into February and March has got to be something of promise if you're a UWM basketball fan. We'll stay with basketball after this timeout as we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. And as I alluded to earlier, I think you might need a program in the next week or so with the number of players in the health and safety protocol window. And we'll get to it right after this. All right, so as we wrap up this edition of the podcast, as I was saying, we've got a number of players with the Milwaukee Bucks that have entered into the health and safety protocol. You're going to need a program to figure out who's doing what with this team here over the next week or so. Drew Holiday is the latest uh, Milwaukee Buck to enter into the health and safety protocol. He joins Grayson Allen, George Hill, and Pat Connaughton, who are already there. That also includes head coach Mike Budenholzer. And don't forget, Dante DiVincenzo, with the ankle injury, is not there. Obviously, Brooke Lopez, who's still a part of the rehabilitation process after his back surgery, is not available to play. Giannis is listed as probable with some non-COVID illness issues. So we've got a number of players on the Milwaukee Bucks who will not be playing this upcoming, at least for the next upcoming week. So it's going to be interesting to see what the combination of players is that will take the floor wearing the Bucks uniform. It's also a great opportunity for a number of players that are either in the G League who are getting called up for 10-day contracts or guys sitting, you know, on the other half of the bench, so to speak, who don't get a lot of playing time, that will see a lot of playing time, that can only be beneficial as the Bucks try and make their way into the playoffs once again to defend that NBA championship. So it'll be interesting to see what the team looks like. It's worth viewing. I know there's a lot of stars that will not be playing as far as the Bucks go, but to see some of these other individuals get an opportunity should be a lot of fun. That'll do it here for us on this Friday. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll talk again on Monday. (laughs) 